Last week, Pastor Jim preached an incredible message on the strengthening of Jesus. It was a really foundational message, and I really hope and pray that you've been like I've been attempting to do, really applying those principles and foundations to our life about how he was strengthened through prayer, through the Word, and by the Spirit. If you missed it, you can check it out online, New Life Press Week on YouTube and on Facebook. It really was an outstanding Word, and really I want to piggyback on the back of that, because this year we're looking at the theme of strengthening and stretching. We believe that it's a key theme for us as a church, not just this year, even beyond that as we look to grow, because we believe in healthy church and we believe that healthy things grow, because as we've heard, there are still people that need to hear about Jesus, and we get to be a part in that journey. But today I want to really look at the stretching part of Jesus' life, because last week we looked at strengthening of Jesus, and this week I want to look at the stretching, you know, is we're a Pentecostal church, so we love Easter Sunday, we love resurrection, we love everything to do with that, but that's coming next Sunday is Easter Sunday, resurrection day, we can't wait for that. But sometimes we can really be in such a rush to get there that we really miss the Friday or the Good Friday, the, the Passion Week almost, where to be honest, we see the humanity of Jesus on full flow, more so than we ever see it at any point. Because so often, if you look at Jesus, he is perfect because he is. But it can be amazing because we see him like speaking and people are healed. Like he, he spits on the ground, rubs dust in people, dirt in people's eyes and they are blind. But actually, it's really hard. If, I'll be honest, when you look at Jesus like that, it's quite hard to really compare myself to him. Because that's certainly not something I'm like. But when I look at this stretching season that I'm going to read in a moment, and this Friday as he finds himself in this garden, I can relate to Jesus as he's in this place of distress, of this discomfort, because he knows what's coming. And so I want to read from Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Lindsay's going to put it up on the screen, I'm sure. And then I just want to pick out some really principles about the stretching that Jesus finds himself and how that can apply to us this morning. But it says this, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit there, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watching and pray so that you'll not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, you will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. To provide a little bit of context to this, a lot has happened in the build-up to this moment. Jesus has been doing miracles for around the place and then the week before this happens he's arrived in Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and everyone's shouting Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, the Messiah is here, 
That's an incredible high that Jesus had. He's then continued to teach and he's continued to heal and he's continued to deliver and he's continued to set people free. He's upset the religious leaders because he was teaching things that were contrary to what they had because they were trying to big themselves up and Jesus was teaching that it's not about me, it's about others. He was teaching others to... In fact, at one point, he pretty much declared himself to be the person that they'd been waiting for, but they were so angry at this that it gets to the point where they want to kill him. He's also upset the Romans because they were kind of like, they don't want unrest, they don't want civil unrest, they don't want political unrest, but Jesus is a threat to them because he's railed people up so much that they're beginning to outwork the teachings that he had, which was never ever about threatening the government at all, but they liked to just nip it in the bud just in case. So Jesus has upset quite a lot of people, but he's also making a difference in people's lives, and that's what Jesus does. But also he's had a, a meal with his closest followers and disciples called the Last Supper that we celebrate when we do communion, and he teaches them to do that. But at that meeting, we discover that one of his closest allies is going to betray him. I mean, it's an incredible low point, and Jesus foresaw all of these things and he finds himself just before he's about to be betrayed. He knows who's going to betray him. The disciples don't quite get it. He finds himself in this garden. His whole life has been building up to this moment where he's going to go to eventually the cross, where he's going to die for your sin and for my sin. And to be honest, based on what I've been here, Jesus doesn't really want to go through it. He doesn't want to do it. How do I know? Because he asked God three times, please, let there be any other way. Jesus finds himself in this stretching moment in absolute anguish and distress. As we search what anguish meant, and anguish means severe mental or physical pain or suffering. So I actually try and picture myself in this moment where Jesus, nothing's really happened yet because he's not been arrested. He's, he know, but he knows what's coming and he gets to the point where he's like, I I just don't want to go through this. You see, in the stretching season, Jesus understood that it was going to be painful and stretching is sore sometimes. Whenever you're stretched, it's sore. Last year, I went, some, went through some anguish in my life because I had toothache. Now, I'm not trying to compare my toothache to what Jesus went through, but I'll be honest, I was in severe mental and physical pain. I'll be honest. You've probably had worse toothache, but as far as I was concerned, I had the worst toothache that anyone has ever had in the history of humanity. It was awful. It was horrific for four days because I couldn't get a dentist appointment. And the reality is, I was trying everything. Like, why is it with toothache nothing helps? Like, I was taking painkillers, they didn't help. I was trying to put ice on my gums to numb the pain, didn't help. I was putting cucumber, like... I don't even like cucumber. I was talking to Ezra earlier who likes cucumber. I just think it tastes like water. So it's, it's so tasteless. But I was literally putting them on my gums and it would help for about five seconds. And it just didn't help. Eventually, I got to go to the dentist and they just alleviated some of the pain. And honestly, I was like a new person. It was poor Heather because she had to put up with me not being able to sleep, not being able to eat, me whimpering and moaning and groaning. Honestly, there was nothing more painful than that. And I wasn't even being a drama queen. I was literally in that much pain. It got to the point where, do you know that way when you're in so much pain or so much anguish, you just don't think rationally. I was thinking, I know what I could do. I could tie it like a string around the tooth that's coming through. Attach it to my car. 
Hera could drive the car and just yank the tooth out because that would be less painful than what I'm going through. I was not thinking rationally at all because I was just thinking, I just want to be able to sleep because I was in so much pain. But the reason that it was happening was because my wisdom tooth was growing through and my gums were getting stretched and it was really, really painful. Because the issue is that when you stretch, things get a bit painful. You see, Jesus knew what was coming for him and he saw it all. He knew the pain. How do I know that? Because Jesus knew everything. He, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God and he knew everything that was going to happen. He knew everything he had to go through. And the Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus knew for 30 years he knew what was coming. In that strengthening season, he knew that the stretch was coming. He knew it was coming. Because in life, at times, you will be stretched. But you see, Jesus never ever promised that life would never hurt you. Jesus never promised that every single time you pray, there'll be a miracle. Jesus never promised that you'll always get that breakthrough. Jesus never ever promised any of these things. And I'm not saying that it won't. But he never promised that it would work every single time. But what he did promise is that he would give you peace. He, he promised you that don't fear for any of these things because though it might be painful, don't worry about it because I've already overcome the world. He promised in Romans 3 that in the stretching that I can rejoice in it, which seems like silly to me because I know that in life there's times that are more painful than toothache, but Jesus says to me that I can rejoice in it. Or Paul writes it. Why? Because in the stretching season, even though it's sore and painful, it builds in me perseverance. And in that stretching and in that perseverance, it develops character in me. And guess what comes from character? Hope that we've been singing about all morning. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. Just because you maybe have never been healed yet doesn't mean God's not going to heal you. Just because you've not had the breakthrough doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. We continue to pray for these things because there's always hope. And just because we're being stretched, and even though it's sore and painful because it's going to hurt sometimes, there's going to be some times of anguish. But in the anguish, God is doing something inside of you. He is stretching you in a way that he can use you for his glory. Why? Because when God does something inside you, on the other side of the anguish, in the other side of the pain, and the other side of the soreness, there's victory, there's freedom, there's hope. You see, if Jesus... Uh, like, You see, I believe that God wants to speak to us today and in this moment to encourage us that there's going to be a stretching season that's coming. Anything that grows has to stretch. Anything that moves has to be stretched. And I just believe that God wants to encourage us that in the stretching, don't give up. When it's painful, don't give up. When it's sore, don't give up. When you're going through anguish, don't give up. Why? Because there's victory on the other side of it. Because, and we're going to look at it next Sunday when Jesus comes, but because of his stretching, there was victory. Why? Because Jesus was willing to be stretched, you and I can live in the victory that is him. Why? Because if he hadn't died on the cross, then he could never have got back out of the grave. He had to go through the anguish and the pain and the soreness so that there would be victory on the other side. It's going to be sore. That's not really what we want to hear, but the reality is there's also victory. And no pain, no progress. And no pain, no gain, which sometimes, I mean, it's always kind of true, but sometimes it's just painful. But secondly, in this stretching season, not only was it sore, but Jesus had to go solo. He had to do it alone. You see, his closest compatriots couldn't stay awake. But I've got a little bit of sympathy for the disciples, to be honest. Because if you read in the context, this is late at night, and they've just had a last supper. So they've ate, it's late at night, and then you want us to stay outside and pray for an hour. 
I love prayer. Prayer is amazing. But if you're asking me after I've just had a meal <laughs> late at night to pray for an hour, then there's a good chance I'm probably going to fall asleep too. They've also been part of this emotional week where they've had highs and lows and like their energy is sapped. It's like going to a conference and then the last thing you want to do when you're my age anyway at a conference is stay up late. You just want to go to sleep. <laughs> like it's like this emotional high. I just want to go to sleep after a vape. Like that's me saying I'm old, but I just meant, I just, I just don't have the energy I used to have. Like I look at these kids running about and I'm just like, I don't have the energy. I wish I had half of their energy. I'm just like, when I eat now, I'm just like, I just want to rest. So I can understand from the disciples perspective. But Jesus had to go through this stretching alone. And you see, here's the thing about when you're being stretched by God and you're stretching season, you have to do it alone. We can encourage you, we can pray for you, we can champion you, but in your stretching is your choice. You have to choose whether you're going to be stretched or not. People can cheer you on, they can give you advice, they can believe in you, they can believe for you, but the reality is you have to choose in your stretching season whether you're going to embrace the stretch or whether I'm just not going to bother. When Heather and I were stepping out in faith, and many of you know the story, we believed that what God was asking us to do, and it stretched us, it was incredibly painful at times, uncomfortable, terrifying, and so many other adjectives, but nobody could do it for us. I remember the amount of people who are praying for us and encouraging us and championing us, but when all was said and done, Heather and I had to make that decision about what was going to happen for our life alone. Nobody could make it for us, and I remember working for the bank, and I remember it was the day I had to hand my notice in. I remember nobody else was there, all of you people who were praying for me, none of you were at my work that day. It was just me, and I remember going into work, knowing what I had to do, and I remember I had to speak to my manager, and it was like, morning came, and I didn't do it. <laughs> and then my first break came, and I didn't do it. Lunchtime came, and, I and it got to the afternoon when I was thinking, I could always just try and do it tomorrow. Because <laughs> I was so nervous and anxious and terrified in the stretch, and being like, as soon as I send this email, as soon as I have this conversation, this is, this is getting incredibly real now, this stretch is going to really begin. And I remember I sent the email and I was like, well, it's, I need to speak to you. And I met my manager and handed him a notice and left that employment to really pursue what we believe God had for us. But it was a moment where we had to go through the stretching alone. We all have to go through it. I can't stretch for you. We play football on a Monday night. I can tell you to stretch, but the reality is I'm not going to stretch for you. You have to do it yourself. And ultimately, the stretching is done so. And so it's up to you. We can preach on it, we can teach on it, we can encourage you, we can believe in you, but you have to choose whether you want to be stretched or not. But without the stretching, you don't see the growth, you don't see the victory. And Jesus, eventually, if we continued on in the story, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but he goes to the cross alone. Because just after this, he's betrayed by his disciple, and all these three disciples run scared, and Jesus has to go through it all alone. In fact, there's one of the most jarring verses or phrases in the entire Bible that comes in this moment where Jesus on the cross, where Jesus, because remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then he says this phrase, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, who had been with the Father since before you were ever in existence, in the beginning and who's there at the end. And that one moment when he's on the cross, when all of my sin and all of your sin and all the sins of humanity were laid on him, God couldn't even be there in his presence. Why? Because God can't be near 
and Jesus took it all upon himself, so he was completely alone. But because he went on his stretching solo, it means that my stretching, even if you all abandon me, I never have to be alone. Because Jesus was forsaken, means that you and I never have to be. You and I are never fully alone. Why? Because Jesus went on the cross. We now have the Holy Spirit that is with us, who's promised to never leave me, and he's promised never to forsake me. He is a comforter and a help. So even if you all abandon me, which I hope that you don't, I'll never be alone. It's one of the funniest lines in the musical Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. I mean, I don't know how one musical can get things so theologically correct and so theologically incorrect, because they have a song that says, there's one more angel in heaven. Terrible theology. But then they also have another song that says, for children of Israel are never alone. Now, I might not be a child of Israel, but I'm a child of the living God because of Jesus. So you and I are never alone. So though the stretching you have to do it, God is right there with you in every single step of the way. If you don't believe me, that's absolutely fine. Paul the Apostle, who was not Jesus, who lived a life of stretching and victory at the very end of his life when he was looking back, it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 and 8. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. I have lived a life of strengthening and stretching. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race and I've remained faithful. I have lived a life of stretching and strengthening. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but this is the best bit. (laughs) But for all who eagerly look forward to this happening. What does that mean? All my stretching and all my strengthening was worth it. Why? Because at the end, there's victory and there's freedom and there's hope that I'm looking forward to. But on verse 16, he continues to say, The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. I was alone in my stretching season. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. What a testimony of how even in the the stretching when I was alone, when every single person abandoned me, I was not alone. And because of that strength that God gave me, I was able to push through into victory. And because of Paul, all Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. I am not a Jewish person. So because of the life that Paul lived, because God used him in the stretching and strengthening, you and I are able to step into the freedom and forgiveness that Jesus offers. Why? Because Paul lived a life of stretching and strengthening. What, what, what a journey that would be to live a life that was poured out as an offering. To say, God, I'm, I'm willing to be stretched. Fine, the final thing I know, though I'm not quite done, is that Jesus in a stretching season in life realized that he had to surrender. You see, it's quite clear how Jesus plays this three times that he doesn't quite want to do this. Like I said at the start, he doesn't really want to go to the cross. Like he does, but he doesn't. It's kind of like, I want the victory, but I don't want the process of the victory. I don't want to go through the stretching that I have to go through. But eventually he comes to this point of surrender where he says, you know what, God, not my will, but yours. 
In that moment, Jesus came to the point of complete and utter surrender. I don't know what you think of when you think of surrender. I probably think of Winston Churchill, to be honest, when he says, we shall never surrender. Like, that's probably the first thing I thought of when I was thinking of surrender, but sometimes I make up my own definitions of words. Like, it's probably not allowed to do that, but I do. And for me, like, I would define surrender as an internal decision I make that has an external outworking. What do I mean by that? Well, the reality is if I was in battle or if I was going to be, like, somebody pulls a gun at me, my automatic reaction is to do this. Why? Because I've decided inside, (laughs) I'm surrendering, and it's meant on the external, my hands go up as a signal of what's already happened on the inside. So Jesus chose in this moment, and he's probably chose before this, because you're choosing the strengthening and what you're going to do in the stretching. But he chose in this moment to surrender his heart, his hands, and his head. He chose to go to the cross inside, which meant that everything that came after, the external outworking of that, everything was already decided inside. You see, by choosing to surrender to God's will, he opens himself up to God's power at work in him. That God might do something that's never been done before. And because of that, we can live in the freedom that Jesus offers. Because of his surrender, he's modeled for us the way to live the life that is worthy of living. You know, I can live in, like, I can't, you can't even, when we were singing earlier, when I think about Jesus and I was preparing this message, there were so many different things that go through my head and there's so many incredible songs and a song that I've been listening to recently was there's a song by a woman called Charity Gale called Thank You Jesus for the Blood and it's just an incredible song that tells a story about how what I was and now what I am because of what Jesus went through and it's thank you for the blood applied because if we don't apply it then it's not worthless but you've got to apply it to our life And I just believe that Jesus, by choosing to surrender, was then, it then informed everything that happened afterwards. I can't even imagine what it was like. Could you, like, this is why I'm clearly not Jesus. Because Jesus had to sit and listen as people, I mean, one of the most galling phrases, I know I mentioned about how the cross where my father, father, wife have forsaken me, but one of the most galling things that humanity could say to Jesus was when he was on the cross and they looked at him and said, look, he can save others, but he can't save himself. That was Scottish version for you. <laughs> Cannot save himself. Like, could you imagine how that must have sounded to Jesus? I would have jumped down for that cross and beat the living daylights of them. Like, I'd have proven them all wrong. But it was only because of his choosing not to save himself that he could save you and me. Why? Because he chose surrender. It was an internal thing that affected the outworking and the external of how his life turned out. And I believe that the question is the same for us today. Are we willing to surrender? Because the reality is, the more of your life you surrender to him, the more blessing, the more freedom, the more purpose, and the more victory that you'll see. I can't hold on to those things that I've surrendered my life to him. I have to open my hands, my heart, and my head to him and say, God, use me. All I have, whether I have plenty or whether I have little, use me. God, I surrender what little I have to you. Use it for your glory in order that I might see victory in my life. 
God, I surrender to the stretching. I know it's going to be sore. I know there's going to be times when I'm going to feel alone. I know that there's going to be times when I just want to quit. But God, I'm willing to surrender and to push through because I want to see victory. I want to get to the end of this life that you've blessed me with and say, do you know what, God? I poured out my life as an offering. And I look forward eagerly to the victory that's to come. Can we stand as I'm closing? The worship team could probably come up and get ready they wanted to but we used to sing a song in youth back when I was a young person a long time ago and it was called Inside Out by Hillsong United and just about every conference we went to every meeting we had we sang this song and the words say this a thousand times I've failed still your mercy remains should I stumble again I'm caught in your grace the next verse is your will above all else my purpose remains the art of losing myself in bringing you praise. Then it says, everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all fame. And the bridge says, in my heart and my soul, Lord, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out. Lord, let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out. Why? Because the song's about surrender saying God it starts in me and God but use, it has to shape the outside it starts in and it moves out this morning we've already heard how there is hope in Jesus that it's never too late and to never give up and so in this this morning just as a close I want to pray for two groups of people I want to pray for the first group who maybe you've never given your life. You could be watching online or you could be in the room where you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus ever. You've never actually given your life to him in the first place. And I want to pray for you. And then the second group is you've found yourself in the stretching season. You have surrendered your life to him. You've given your heart to him. But in the stretching season, you've maybe decided, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to go through it. But you know now that actually I want to live this life that God calls me to I want to surrender to the stretching so that God can outwork it. And I know it's going to be painful, but God, I need to know that you're with me. So if you're, I'm just going to say a, a general prayer that we're all going to pray. But just if you're one of those two people, say this prayer and let it change you from the inside out as we leave today. Let's commit to not being the same people that we came in today, but let's commit to this journey. And so we're all going to pray and then we'll close and we'll worship our God as we do but it simply says this just pray after me thank you Jesus for stretching out for me I surrender my heart my hands and my head to you you are my saviour help me bring you glory Amen Amen if you were yeah, we can applaud if you like. But if you were, particularly if you were in the first group who prayed that, you've never given your life to Jesus and you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart. If you're watching online, you'll see that there's a I have decided part. You can fill that out because we'd love to connect with you. But if you're in this room right now, please don't leave this place without coming and speaking to myself or Billy and Kerry who are sat here or even a steward who can direct you to them because we want to pray with you and connect with you because it's the best decision you've ever made. And if you were in the second group who prayed it and you're going to surrender to the stretching and be like, it's going to be sore, I'm going to have to go so low, 
then let's leave today committing to that. And tomorrow, we just say, God, use me. God, use me. God, use me. And we're all in this together. We can cheer one another on. And we're believing that God has got the best is yet to come for this house, for your life, for his glory. Amen. Let's worship him.